here in the heart of the jungle, we find one of the most interesting creatures of its kind. Amazon PPC Advertising. Buried deep amongst the undergrowth with its campaigns and targeting, lay hazards like keywords without conversions, unprofitable ad spend, and a mountain of ever-evolving complexity. But if you look beyond the obstacles of life here, there is hope and opportunity. We will journey to every corner of Amazon ads to explore and share the greatest treasures the jungle has to offer. This is the Amazon PPC Den Podcast. What's going on, Badger Nation, and welcome to the PPC Den Podcast, your home for all things Amazon advertising tips, tricks, and strategies, and talks to make your life a little bit easier and your Amazon advertising a little bit more profitable. Today's a very special episode. I'm talking to someone who's just down the street from me. That Granted, the street is uh, I-35, uh, which runs from, uh, I think, Mexico to... Uh, where does it go, Nick? Canada. Canada. Yes. Uh, pretty far north. Yes. It's, so it's a pretty big road, but Nick, you are just right up the road. Uh, Nick Eisber, very special guest, the CTO of Ad Badger. We got him on the pod, managed to get him on. What's up, Nick? How are you feeling today? First time on the show. How does it feel? Feels great. It's good to finally be here. Yes. Uh, you're in the middle of a move, which is incredibly stressful. So thanks for carving some time out of that uh you've already moved the very cool uh image that you'd normally have over your right shoulder uh what is it it's a it's a handmade quilt i got of the standard model of particle physics yes so i asked that question just so everybody knows out there who we're talking to today nick you have a <laughs> pretty impressive uh cv mathematician very interested in physics and you're the CTO of AdBadger. So what an interesting story. Uh, what was the transition like from mathematician, super focused on that, to developer, to CTO? Yeah. Well, you know, right out of college, uh, you know, beginning the job hunt, uh, I found myself wanting to apply my skills to something outside of academia uh, with a background of math that was, you know, it opened up a lot of opportunities in physics. Uh, but there were a lot more opportunities in computer science. So just buckling down, learning the the trends in, in coding and engineering at the time, uh, developed you know good background in a lot of the really cool frameworks that are that had just kind of come into their own and applying that to build essentially custom software for some clients who needed an upgrade. Uh, fast forward many years and here we, here we are at AppVadger. What's been harder? working with the Amazon advertising API or anything else that you've done? Don't answer that question. Um, let's talk about what we are going to be talking about today, which is, drum roll, very exciting, Amazon Marketing Stream. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it'd be super interesting to bring you on the show because we have a lot of people that listen to our show who are 
business owners work at larger brands, Amazon, advertising professionals themselves, people that work at agencies, all kinds of things. And a lot of news has come out about Amazon Marketing Stream over the last few weeks. Uh, We've been talking a lot about it internally here, getting ready for our own release of it. But one thing that I think was never talked about was a little bit about the technical side um, from an engineer, software engineer's perspective, which I think will be really interesting to get a take on. That way we as marketers in the Amazon space can get a better sense of what to expect, how it's going to behave. So I think a really interesting question to begin with is even without talking about Amazon Marketing Stream, because uh, I think this will reveal why Amazon Marketing Stream exists now. How does a normal like API typically work because we use APIs all the time. You know, uh, AdBadger is built on an advertising API, um, which is going to be a little unique as we'll get into. But like people that use Google ads tools or Facebook ads tools, they're plugging into like the Facebook ads API or the Google API or like all of these different things. So how does a typical API work for third-party software? And then contrast that with how the Amazon advertising API works. So a typical API is essentially a set of controls and options that the developers of a platform give to other developers to access their data. So, uh, you know, Amazon, of course, has their own set of advertising API that allow us to fetch a lot of really good data. And then, you know, as a company, we can take that data and package it and give it to our users in a way that they kind of expect. So when the API roll out for anything, any, any kind of integration, doesn't have to be Amazon, developers latch onto that and we just, we milk everything that we can out of it so we can get as much information as possible. But there are of course limits and oftentimes we will run into those limits and it can be a little bit of back and forth. Sometimes developers can have enough sway, they can write in you know, uh, requests to the developers of those API and we can get maybe a little bit more or perhaps clarify some, you know, uh, tricky parts about it that aren't so user friendly for us as engineers. What AdBadger does with the advertising API, we essentially request this data from Amazon. They return it to us in however they choose to package it. And then we take that data and we just run with it. We integrate it into our app and we do all the amazing things that we do with it. Is there an, is there a big difference between the Amazon advertising API with maybe some of the other APIs that you've used in the past? Um, as far as like coverage goes, they're, it, Amazon's pretty good. Their advertising API does cover quite a bit. Uh, their documentation has improved tremendously since I began working on this project. Uh, it seems every month their release notes are covering a lot of questions that us as engineers have had uh, in addition to just new releases they're really excited about, uh, Marketing Stream being one of them. Uh, but Marketing Stream is kind of unique in how it's set up. So, Is it common to have, so a lot of Amazon marketers, uh, one common frustration is like, you know, you go and you want to, you're sitting in Amazon, advertising.amazon.com, and you want to go look at last year's Prime Day. And you go try to select the dates of last year's Prime Day, and it's grayed out. And like, it yeah. can't be selected. Um, 
I think that's one of the biggest gripes that people have uh, with like trying to get data. Like if you wanted to compare like what you did last year for Prime Day versus this year for Prime Day, you can't do it. Um, And my understanding is we've done a lot of work to try to like fix that gap. Like we, so we're, we're constantly like sort of downloading and storing that information. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. We store, when a user signs up with our software, we store all their data historically so they can go back and compare, yeah, prime data, prime day, even prime data two years ago, prime day. So what is, what is the big hullabaloo about marketing stream from a maybe technical API? Um, because in our tool for a long time, and even in at the default interface in Amazon, if you go to look at your orders for today, it's it'll be like flatlined or be very few. And then you check it again in a couple of days and it's like, oh, I had 500 orders, you know, Thursday and now it's Saturday. What is it about Marketing Stream that allows us to do this from a technical perspective? Yeah, so the way that Marketing Stream is set up, it is completely different from any of their previous advertising API relating to reporting data and also many other platforms, the way that they aggregate and deliver reporting data to the end user. The way it was described to me by the advertising rep is that marketing stream is a push of data, whereas previously it was a pull. So we would have to go to Amazon every day for every user, for every marketplace and say, can I please have this report data? Uh, can I have it for campaigns and can I have it for my ad groups and please can I have it for keywords and oh, product ads also? And we have to just ask for so much data and they deliver it to you in uh, the format you get it is in this compressed JSON. So anybody who's familiar with bulk sheets, CSV, spreadsheets, all that stuff, it's just a, a raw data format. And then you have to go in and do something with it. Uh, Plugging that into a software is fantastic. It's ready to support it. We know what to do with it. You can store it in a database, but it's a lot of data and it's in a really raw format and you have to constantly request it. And if you're doing intraday requests, you'll, you know, it'll, it'll differ. You'll have to keep, you know, five, 10 times a day asking for the latest data. What marketing stream does is it turns all of that pulling into a push. You set up a little ecosystem in AWS and they just push the data there and it's ready for you. You don't have to go, you know, talk to the advertising servers. You control, uh, you know, the the bucket that the data gets placed into. And whenever you're ready for it, it's just there. Uh, And they deliver it with granularity down to the hour. So once it's ready in that bucket for you, you have data for every hour of that day and you can do with it what you will. That's wild because I think anyone who's ever tried to even download a search term report from Amazon, you click, like, give me this data, like download this report. And then you're sort of like waiting for it to finish. Like you're waiting and waiting and waiting because you're sort of like, they're compiling it for you when you request it. And with marketing stream, my understanding is it'll be ready there when like, our customer clicks on it or anyone using marketing stream when they click on it it'll already be sitting there on the server waiting for them which is very exciting correct and that that was a challenge that we initially had to solve uh the the old advertising way of getting reports from amazon it wasn't even a simple api where you just request it and okay here it is it would be requested 
by Amazon, and then they would give you a token. And you just kind of hold on to that token for, you know, maybe a few seconds. It could be up to 15 minutes, if not longer. They try to guarantee 15 minutes, but, you know, depending on server load, time of day, uh, size of marketplace, it could take quite a long time. So you're just sitting around with this token, waiting, hoping Amazon has your rewarding data back and you can keep asking, hey, I have this token, is it ready? And they say, no, or, you know, 15 minutes later, yep, here it is. Uh, Marketing Stream just does away with all of that. They just give you the data as it comes, as they aggregate it. There is a lot of work that they do on their end to, you know, work out attribution, uh, and and delays of that sort of nature. But when it's ready, it's in the bucket, and there it is. Yeah, it's wild. You know, for yeah. years, and I've pushed you and the rest of the developers for a very long time, like, hey, I want to be able to be faster than bulk files. Uh, I want to be able to yeah. view every single keyword or view every single search term, like, incredibly fast. So we spent a lot of time trying to perfect, perfect that sort of cycle uh, of the, sort of the first way, that sort of older way that you were referring to. Um, so it's awesome to see, and hopefully Marketing Stream continues to evolve to be able to get that data in a faster way so that all third-party tools are going to end up being a little bit faster as well, which is really cool. Yeah, it's a tremendous amount of data. So to shift to this, like I said, more push style of, of getting the data is is going to be game-changing. Would you say most APIs are p- that push sort of push model? No, no, in fact. Oh, really? So uh, this is a special case. This is a very special case. Um, I've personally, well, I've, I've developed platforms that deliver data in a push style, and it's very nice and convenient to have because you don't have to wait around with a token in your hand wondering, is my report ready yet? Mm-hmm. Um, but for as far as I know, for Amazon, this is unique. Everything traditionally is kind of you request it and they prepare it and hopefully deliver it promptly right on so let's do some uh rapid fire here so the first thing i think we've already touched on improved data granularity with marketing stream Um, so the official terminology is traffic and conversion data is summarized hourly compared to daily so i think we sort of covered that um let's move to the next one which is no throttling what I, I feel like everyone sort of intuitively knows what throttling is like oh man is my internet provider at home throttling me is my cell phone throttling me because i've uh, watched too many ppc den podcasts on youtube off of wi-fi and i'm over my gigabytes for the month like what does it refer to when we think of marketing stream uh and throttling yeah so with a traditional api the Developers of the API usually impose what's called a throttling limit, which is a limit on the number of requests that you can make in a given period of time, Uh, especially with API that I call expensive, meaning I'm requesting a lot of data all at once. You'll typically be throttled to say, okay, you can only make this request, you know, two times a minute. Mm -hmm. And if you need it faster, you're just out of luck. The server will respond with a, a 429 or some other error message saying, no, I'm sorry, you, you've used up your, your quota for this minute and you just have to wait. Because Marketing Stream is using this push model which sends all of the data to a little ecosystem that you set up, you actually control that infrastructure. So you can, you can set whatever limits you want or make it unlimited. There is no throttling to access your own data because once Amazon right. sends it to you via this marketing stream, it's yours. So you can get it 
as much as you want. So uh, a typical way that you know we might experience is that is like if you want to view every single search term or every single keyword in your account the old way, there's a lot of uh, hurdles that data has to jump over in order to actually get displayed in front of a user. Like we spent tons of time trying to like make sure like, hey, if somebody views every single product ad, it's got to load super fast. Well, it's like, okay, first we need to generate a token. Then we need to go to Amazon. Then we need to wait for them and continue waiting. And we're throttled as we're doing this, meaning we can only get, if they, someone has 50,000 products, it's gonna, we have to grab a little and wait, grab a little and wait. Often an undetermined amount of time. Right. Uh, like you don't know how long you're waiting. Yeah. So Marketing Stream does away with that throttling from Amazon's side. And really the only limiter is just, uh, you know, from, you know, our tool or any tool directly in front of the user's face. Right. There, uh, there might be a little, a bit of a delay in how fast Amazon can push out that data. But once it's there, yeah, the only thing standing in your way is, you know, how fast your internet connection is. Sure. The next sort of feature that Amazon was talking about when it comes to marketing stream is near real-time messaging. Get notified about budget consumption, such as when, such as when campaigns are running out of budget. This is something that we couldn't really get until now, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's great about this is in addition to, you know, them just pushing all of this data to you, they also allow you to set up a, a notification system that can ping you when certain things occur, such as a portfolio going over budget or a campaign going you know, close to over budget. And those messages come in in near real time. So you don't have to sit around and check, hey, is this campaign out of budget? Okay, what about 10 minutes later? Is it out of budget now? They will just ping you if something is getting close and you can take action on that. And then it's cool because of the nature of like having a third party tool, you know, we're able to say like, oh, let's push that notification out to Slack or a text message or an email or pretty much or, or Zapier. And then it can go off to a bajillion different services. Yeah. Um, and like that's sort of the benefit of that. Like because we, we've tried to do like intraday budget notification and it's just a, a massive, massive amount of work uh, for not real time data. So this is a really cool. Right corner returning yeah and it, it, it alleviates the the need for all these wasted requests because you know if there if there's no activity on a portfolio let's say i don't need to check every 30 minutes to see if something's right. changed amazon will just tell me hey something's changed go check it out right so, on very nice this next feature they say is more reporting dimensions. So I think from a marketer's perspective when i first saw this it's very cool um it's cool, but in a very classic, like this is still in beta uh, because previously for sponsored products, you would get top of search, rest of search and product page performance on a per campaign basis. Well, what does marketing stream now give us the opportunity for? Uh, with marketing stream, we should be able to see performance at the keyword or target level via pl uh, by placement. Yeah. So whereas previously in the advertising API, we were able to get placement information and performance by campaign, this should allow us to drill down all the way to the keyword level to see how something's performing, say at top of search versus rest of search. What's your technical guess as to why it's in marketing stream and not the normal advertising API? I would say as they built out this, this 
huge marketing stream ecosystem. It's, it's still, still in beta. I think there was some opportunity to deliver these extra reporting dimensions that it just wasn't worth building out the old way uh, via the reporting request, token, check, download kind of method. So, you know, with any new technology, a lot of hurdles can be overcome and barriers broken down. And then it's just kind of something you get for free. So right. I think this new ecosystem allows that to happen without huge data delay or impact on their servers. Do you Did you see anything in the technical documentation for changing bids at each placement yet per keyword? Because um, you can do it at the campaign level now. But did you yes. see anything in the documentation on a per keyword basis? Because that'd be sick. Not at the keyword level. Certainly, yes, at the campaign level. But as far as optimizing placement bids for a particular keyword, I haven't seen that yet. Hopefully soon. Put it on, put it on your wish list, everybody. Um, yes. This was another interesting technical thing. Insights on Delta instead of aggregates. Amazon Marketing Stream allows you to better understand the campaigns, how campaigns are performing by pushing the Delta values instead of aggregates. Break this down. So aggregate would be like a sum. I can see how many clicks or impressions this campaign got in this hour and then the previous hour. And softwares like AdBadger are really good because we can take in all that aggregate data and we can do all those deltas for you. We can find you know, uh, day over day change, week over week change, month over month with the with advertising or with marketing stream Given the granularity down to the hour, we can then begin to compute deltas hour to hour, so intraday deltas. But with the marketing stream query uh, setup that they have, you can just get that directly. You can just ask Amazon, hey, how many more clicks did I get in this hour versus the previous hour? And then you don't have to do any of the math. And then we are the third party tool just does, wait, we don't have to do any math. We still will. We like doing the math, <laughs> but uh, for those who are you know, directly just trying to use marketing stream, you wouldn't have to. Right, cool. And this one is the sort of the last thing from a technical perspective, it looks like simplified workflow. With Amazon Marketing Stream, you can access all of your advertising data from your AWS account natively. Uh, additionally, Marketing Stream pushes changes. Uh, I think you kind of covered this. Uh, it simplifies the extract, transform, and load ETL process showing you exactly what has changed when when new data arrives. Uh, is there anything new there from that we haven't mentioned just yet? Well, what's kind of nice is in addition to these reports that anybody who's been doing this for a while is familiar with, Amazon also gives us these things called snapshots, which is you know exactly what it sounds like. It's a snapshot of the state of all of your entities, your campaigns, your aggregate, your keywords for a given time. So for example, maybe a campaign becomes paused. You can look back if you have been downloading all of these snapshots, you'll see, oh, on this day it was enabled, but then I paused it on the next day. Mm -hmm. All of that data seems to be included in marketing stream. So if I need to know when a budget was changed on a campaign, for example, if I didn't have the snapshot, I would, I would just lose that knowledge. I would have, just have to remember when I made that change. This will encapsulate it and I can query back in time, oh, that's when I made that budget change. So it should uh, replace the need to have to do snapshots, which is nice. 
Cool. Uh, and I'm going to save a lot of the, and for anyone listening out there, I'm going to save a lot of the like marketer's perspective about how to incorporate this new data uh, for another episode. Again, really focusing on the technical side. So of course, just the, the preamble to all of that is that because we're getting data by the hour, you know, summed up to the hour, rounded to the, to the hour, I suppose, um, because it doesn't give you the exact minute something happened, gives you the hour that it happened in. Um, it's going to allow you, of course, to adjust bids and adjust budgets during that time. And we'll have plenty of content about how that's changing bid optimization coming up. But um, from a technical perspective, there are some technical limitations here. Um, number one, that it's in beta. <laughs> and yeah. I think beta is a word that gets tossed around a lot. It's like, oh, this software says beta somewhere, or this is in beta. What does that actually mean from a like developer's perspective? Like when does something go from beta to not beta? Is it just an arbitrary thing, a gut feeling? Is it known to have bugs in it? You know, what does this actually mean? Yeah. So a beta release of something is, you can think of it as like the penultimate version of it. It's something that is a good release candidate for the end user. It will work. It does things. Uh, you can probably get some use out of it, but to the developers who built it, there are probably known limitations and known bugs. So uh, marketing stream being in, uh, it's actually what's in uh, what's called open beta right now. It previously earlier this year was in a closed beta, which means that you must have been invited to uh, experience what this new platform is going to look like. Now that it's an open beta, anybody can anybody with an advertising account can go and play with it, but there are limitations. So a few of those limitations as of the recording of this, uh, it is only available for sponsored products campaigns, and it is only available for North American marketplaces, that's US, Canada, and Mexico, uh, as well as a few other smaller limitations that uh, seem to be getting updated and worked on. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's super unfortunate. I mean, both from, if you are in North America, you can only use this data for one third of the total campaign types that you can use, you know, no, nothing for sponsored brands, nothing for sponsored display. Uh, and if you are outside of Canada, Mexico, or the U S you don't have access to any of this data, which is a huge, you know, it's a, it's a bummer, but from a technical perspective, you know, I, does that make sense like to release it just in a few spots first? I guess you learn how it's behaving and then you can sort of like roll that into the future countries without maybe as many of the hiccups along the way. Like, is, is, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I think, I think the limitation, I mean, this tracks with Amazon's history of releasing things. Sponsor products comes first and then they, they, you know, they brought a sponsor brands and they brought a sponsor display. So it makes sense that they would kind of pilot this with sponsored products. It's been around a long time and it's mm -hmm. the most used campaign type. Yeah. There are also limitations. So for, for us engineers who, who will set up uh, a framework to start consuming this marketing stream data, there are limitations that they impose on us within AWS. So when we go to set up our notification queues, our buckets, our databases, uh, we can only establish those in certain regions. And so I think because of that limitation and just the tremendous volume of data that they're going to be pushing to us, uh, I think limiting it to North American marketplaces, which fall within the time zone uh, of the region that we have to set this stuff up in, I think that's I think that's why they're trying to, or I think that's why they started with North America. So as 
they allow you to set up infrastructure in other availability zones, then I think they'll expand to, okay, uh, the UK market and, and the other European countries. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of countries that Amazon advertising supports uh, U.S., Canada, Mexico, Brazil, U.K., Germany, France, Italy, Netherlands, Poland. This list is so long, I regret starting it. Spain, Sweden, Turkey, Japan, India, Australia, Singapore, United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia. That's a lot of places to support. Um, you know what I never understood, though? Like, I feel like a lot of developers get questions like this, and I try not to ask you questions like this because it's always like, it seems so simple. It's like, why couldn't we just get one like does it why do we need separate like is it really that hard to just copy and paste it to another country and change the currency symbol like is it really <laughs> that difficult like why are there limitations from country to country region to region in the first place that's a that's a big question um there are of course locale differences so even yes relatively small considerations such as you know how do we display currencies in this in, in for this country or you know uh languages even so for those marketing in uh, United Arab Emirates or Saudi Arabia, you know, uh, right to left text is something to think about. And so mm -hmm. making sure that your products are marketed in accordance to locale standards so people in that region can easily, you know, view your product and make a purchase. Um, sometimes those, those challenges are not so easy to implement at scale. Right. So starting with, you know, a, a, a region that host the infrastructure that is very popular for a popular mm -hmm. campaign type. It's a way for them to kind of get the most interest, the fastest, and we can work through those bugs while it's still under the label of beta and, you know, develop it out to be even better. In Interesting. Future. As a spreadsheet guy, I'm just picturing the find and replace. Give me my dollar sign and I'll put in the pound <laughs> sign. Done. Um, all right. Another interesting limitation here is that this whole new uh, component, it's available for advertising data only. Retail data is not available in Amazon marketing stream. Uh, and that's all they sort of say about this. But my my hunch, my lens on this is that, you know, there's not going to be product images and product titles and uh, organic sales coming through this pipe. Probably not right now. They recent Amazon has recently put in a lot of uh, work to developing out their new selling partner API. And I say new, it's been around for quite a bit now, um, but coming off of what previously they had for us, which was their, their MWS uh, platform, uh, selling partner gives a lot more. It's, it's far more robust, it's far more expansive, and you can get all of that data relatively quickly in a more traditional API sense. You just request it, you wait a moment, it comes back to you and there it is. No need to, you know, the, this this ETL infrastructure of, ah, give me a token, oh, I'll check back, you know, give me a bulk file. No, 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 they just give it to you. So I think, I think they're gonna be leaning more on selling partner uh, to deliver that kind of data. Very cool. This one's super technical, cues uh, Amazon Marketing Stream only allows simple SQS FIFO, which I believe stands for first in, first out. Queues are not supported. Um, what does this mean to you? What do you think this means to Amazon marketers? Um, not too much. Uh, mm -hmm. It essentially limits how real time 
this data can be. So first in, first out queue is exactly what it sounds like. The first one in is the first one out, meaning if Amazon pushes two notifications, one after another, the first one you get is the first one you read. Okay. Uh, because that queue style is not supported right now for marketing stream, it's possible you get two notifications that come in around the same time. You don't really know which one was first, even though they are timestamped. That timestamp isn't necessarily the time it was meant to be sent. Mm -hmm. It was more just the time it was received. So network traffic and things like that can impact these. Uh, but for the most part, the simple queue service, it should be good enough. You get an alert, it comes in. Whenever you receive it, you know, it's as good as that's when the thing happened. So, so it's possible it, that um, technically down to the second, one thing did happen before something else, but we're yeah. sort of getting it by the hour, not by the second. Right. So something it's, like that. it's close to, it's near real time, as they say. Um, but that little bit of delay shouldn't really make much of an impact uh, if you're you know, aggregating your own data and just kind of want to see things as they come in by hour, uh, you probably aren't sitting there spamming the refresh button, you know, 10 times a second. Uh, Don't tell me. I, I, yeah. I enjoy that. I do that. So. <laughs> I think the last limitation to know is that like, yes, this is awesome. And we're going to talk a lot in like a little bit in this episode and future episodes about like how to actually use marketing stream data. But I think the thing that's as to me as a technical marketer, and I think people who listen to the show know this, but there's a difference in data that we get from, you know, the ad console. So if you log into advertising.amazon.com and you look at your data there for the same date range, for the same group of campaigns, that will be different than the search term report you download for those exact same campaigns in that same time frame, And that will be different than the advertising API data that you get. And I assume that marketing stream data is also going to be slightly different. And, you know, I don't know if there's any official reason why this is so different. I've always sort of chalked it up to they process clicks and orders and conversions just slightly different in all these places because maybe there's separate teams working on these things. That's always been sort of my guess. Cause I mean, we've experienced it. It's like, Hey, our, our app is saying, 240 orders, Amazon ad dashboard says, you know, 250 or 230. It's like, which one is right? And it's what the answer is like, well, all of them are correct. Yeah. This is just uh, a consequence of having massive data sets. Amazon deals with so much data every <laughs> single second. It is just mind boggling. I mean, think of every order that's placed every time someone clicks on a product or an ad i mean it is just so much information and the way that data scientists will deal with this kind of information is in a distributed way so uh you know a great example is you know if i'm out here in, in texas and i'm placing an order for something and someone around the globe is simultaneously placing an order that information on the order isn't going to the same central server that it would never mm -hmm. work it's way too much distance so there are local servers that handle that kind of information and then periodically to get these kind of reports in a deliverable way it will start to aggregate things and will go through probably many rounds of data aggregation to say okay yeah these orders occurred you know two minutes apart from different sides of the globe and yes, they both, you know, 
purchase the product after clicking on the ad. And so those are attributed orders. Processing that data takes time. And it's not always necessary to be super accurate down to the single order, but to just be as close to accurate as possible for the time that you request it. So what Amazon aggregates and delivers to us through the advertising API might be a little bit different than what's showing on Ad Console. Of course, if I were Amazon, I would want the freshest, latest, the most up-to-date data in my system and then hand over to other developers like, okay, well, here's the data. It's good enough. Uh, check back in an hour and get another token and maybe it'll be different. I'm hoping, I'm thinking, this is, a, this is just a theory, I believe marketing stream data will be the same data that you see in, say, Ad Console or Seller or Vendor Central. Fingers crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Yeah. And, and another interesting thing before we talk about like how we're thinking about incorporating this into our tool, uh, another interesting thing um, is attribution windows. Uh, this is a topic we've talked about on the show, good and plenty attribution window. Basically, if somebody clicks on your ad on July 21st and then they purchase within 24 hours, that will be a one-day converted order. If they convert a week from now, that will not be included in this one-day data range because it's now a week later. So that would show up in a seven-day conversion window. And then there's also a 14-day conversion window and a 30-day conversion window, meaning if somebody clicks on an ad and just sits on it and doesn't buy anything for 31 days, that order will not get reattributed back to the click when it happened. So here's another, you know, probably confusing thing where it's like, okay, the click is happening on Thursday, but they're not purchasing until next Wednesday. So that order almost goes like back in time and updates that click. So you can look at that click on Thursday, no orders. Friday, no orders, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, until Wednesday, you finally click refresh again. And all of a sudden that click has an order, which means, you know, don't forget when we're using this marketing stream data that it's possible that like you're looking at a click for today and you're like, oh wow, it had so many clicks today. It is possible that, you know, whatever you're looking at, if you think it had no orders or very few orders, it's possible that some orders will come in over the next 30 days, get sent back in time to the day that you're looking at to be like finally get attributed. So even though we're getting hourly data and it'll show us when the click got the, what, what when you got the click is the day of the click, when you got the order could happen later and it will get sent back to the day that you got the click. Um, so that's also important to know as we think about this. Um, from a technical perspective, like. What does that mean to you? <laughs> like the fact that you can refresh something on day one, have it say zero orders and then refresh it 20 days later and have it say five orders multiplied by all the keywords that we have. Uh, well, it's frustrating because uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of data. It, uh, like you said, it very much is kind of like going back in time where you can look at something today and see no orders, but check back at the end of the month and whoa, hey, orders were attributed back to that day that the ad was clicked. For sponsored products, uh, their largest attribution window, I believe, is 30 days. So uh, I know our, our advertising representative has told me that it might not even be available 30 days from the day it was clicked and that he recommends that we wait 45 days. So that's a month and a half 
to potentially discover that an order was placed after clicking on one of the ads, it's a long time to wait. Yeah. Um, and we have, we, we've built, we, we know about this, of course, and we built an entire infrastructure to go back and re-download reports. Mm-hmm. And it's very expensive and it's very time consuming, but we always want to have the most up-to-date data, even if it means that, you know, now it's in July, there could be attributed orders from all the way back to what, uh, first week yeah. of June that are just now coming in. So I think marketing stream, I don't know if any notifications will come in about attribution. I haven't seen anything about that, but since you kind of own the data, I think what they'll do is they will just go back for you and fill in attributed orders or, or sales so that if you rerun your query, it will show you know, the, the most accurate information. Very cool. And now let's talk about uh, implementation. You know, in many ways, just like Amazon is sort of saying like, okay, we'll release it for this campaign type in these geographies first. Um, we here at Ad Badger sometimes call that like, uh, you know, lean development or like lean. There's a great book called The Lean Startup. We follow a lot of it too. And it basically says instead of hiding for years and building something and then releasing all of it at once, we release almost every other week. Uh, we're releasing something new into our tool. So uh, the first thing from my perspective is sort of we're going to be skipping week parting, which is, you know, different budgets or different bid adjustments by day of the week, you know, saying stuff like I want to bid 20% more aggressively on Fridays. You can now sort of skip that step and go straight to day parting, which includes week parting. So that's one technical decision that we made to sort of go straight into marketing stream straight into day parting. And then one type of chart that makes so much sense for this kind of data. And like, you see it everywhere. I've been like, it's funny because this has been available on Google ads for a long time. So like I've been using heat maps for Google ads, uh, for a long time, but of course, one thing, one chart type that this really lends itself to is of course, heat maps. Um, and are, are we going to be able to do heat maps of all of the familiar metrics like sales per hour and like you could sort of see the heat map and it'll be like oh look at this hour i get a lot more sales clicks orders uh so on and so forth for that heat map you can sort of toggle what metric you want to look at yes yeah absolutely every everything that we're already showing in our app as far as the metrics uh reporting metrics are concerned all of that can be broken out by hour and we can toggle between them and see all of that performance and of course, you know, bid changes by hour, budget changes by hour, you know, increase or decrease budget X percentage during time frame A to time frame B, budgeting alerts, uh, and just alerts in general, right? Like, hey, I'm out of budget or hey, I'm in budget. Very cool stuff. I'm curious in terms of, well, I, I mean, I guess I'll just pause there. You know, we've never had intraday bidding before, which we will, which is epic. And, you know, that in and of itself is cool. From a mathematics perspective, I think this is a more interesting question. You know, let's say I'm spending $10,000 a month on my Amazon advertising and I have, you know, 5,000 keywords. As soon as I start breaking that out on a per keyword basis, it's possible that I'm going to end up with a keyword that spends like $100 a month 
And, you know, if we break that, so what is that per week? That's $25 per, $25 per week divided by seven days a week times 24 hours in a day. So that's like uh, seven times 24. Don't do math live on screen. But seven times 24 is 168 hours in a week. So if I'm spending $25 per week on a single keyword over 168 hours of the week, that means I'm only spending 14 cents per hour. <laughs> From a like statistical significance perspective, like, you know, Destiny uh, is a friend of the show. She, and we've talked about like, yeah, but some keywords only spend like $100 a month. And like now when you break it down, it's like, that's like 14 cents per hour. So it's like not very much. Um, from a mathematical perspective, like what percentage of keywords do you think will really benefit from this? Uh, and then like, how do we bridge that gap between like, what do you think will even do or recommend like for a keyword that spends, you know, $25 a week? Well, I think the percentage of keywords that will perform at that level usually is very low. Usually have, you know, a few winners and, you know, dependable, solid, they spend a lot, but they earn a lot kind of keywords. Mm -hmm. um, the vast majority, I think, aggregated across, you know, a lot of data, I think most keywords generate no sales. There's a lot of them just kind of sitting in there. They might not even have much spend either, but mm -hmm. typically they're not tailored. They're not specific enough. They're just either too general or you know, not applicable or maybe just not bidding enough. They might just not be competitive. So I think a very small percentage will benefit from that, from being able to target like per hour of the day, you know, increase my bid for this keyword just a little bit. But it could be good to kind of shave off some of that spend. I mean, 17 or 14 cents an hour, every hour, every day, every month, yeah, it'll add up. And so if you could just kind of trim the fat and say, okay, well, during these times, and remember, all of these things are in the time zone of that marketplace. And we sometimes will forget this, that, you know, I might be a seller here in the United States marketing across the world, but sales in Germany don't happen at the same time as sales in North mm -hmm. America, say. so knowing when that keyword would perform in that marketplace at the best time and being able to cut bids outside of that window uh, could be really good. And I definitely think there is savings to be had there. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to say. So w do you think with those low data keywords, we'll be able to, so I think you, and again, we're sort of getting into strategy here too, um, but it's almost like the mathematics of it. It's like, what would be better spreading out <laughs> Because I think we'll see this data on a big account-wide level. So like we might be able to draw a trend on the account and then may potentially use some of that data and then begin to say, hey, instead of spending 14 cents for every hour of the day, what if I were to spend, you know, $3 an hour for like my peak times? Now all of a sudden I'm not spreading this keyword out so much and maybe it's like more worth it for me to like push during certain times. Um, do you think that sounds like statistically sound? And again, like we're never going to have perfect statistical significance because just because so many keywords are going to be lower data. So we kind of have to look at big trends and then sort of power our way down. Do you think that sounds like somewhat sound, like a sound sort of thing that people might be able to walk away with? I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm excited to, to work on that algorithm personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the bigger challenge, which uh, we're going to see 
while this is still in beta, is that there's still a 12-hour delay. I think that will be more statistically upsetting than, you know, a performance of a keyword, you know, during the course of its day. Um, being able to factor in 12 hours ago, this is what my keyword was doing, and follow that trend, say, day over day, and be able to narrow when the bid should be high, so to target that peak time of day. I, I think that will, it certainly will have an impact, and I'm very excited to, to solve that problem. Well, right on. I think we should end it there. Um, Nick Eisberg, CTO of AdBadger, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, and yeah, for all the listeners out there, uh, there's going to be so much more content to talk about You know how this changes bid optimization, how this changes strategy. And yes, uh, Nick, you and I have spent a ton of time on AdBadger's existing algorithm, and I think it's about to get a lot more complicated. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, But until next time, I'll see everyone else here on the PPC Den podcast. Have a good one.